the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. All right, we're going to start off today, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, well, we're going to get into uh, foreign policy here on the program. And everything that I'm seeing right now when it comes to what's happening in uh, Turkey, Syria, Middle East, mainstream media, pulling this stuff all together is BS. I don't buy any of it. I don't. First and foremost, you've got a um, major, major television media outlet knowingly running a fake video. Well, it's not so much a fake video. Um, well, it was a it was a guns demonstration in Kentucky that they decided to use and say that they this is what's going on over in uh, in Syria right now. This is where knowingly they knew exactly what they were doing and they didn't care. This should scare the living crap out of people for crying out loud. What's going to happen when they, they start using deep fake videos? We, we are all in wag the dog, could start wars. It, this is getting very, very dangerous. Uh, for how long here on the program we've talked about the need to break up these big media companies? The watchdog on Wall Street, axis of evil, big business, politicians, and the mainstream media working hand in hand to further their own needs. I don't believe any of them. I also happen to think that, um, and I think that, that Trump is playing this thing. I, I do. Um, the, the story uh, today, uh, see CNBC, the, the Turkish lira um, is up. The uh, tariffs that Donald Trump have uh, threatened the, the Turks with, uh, it's, they're not that bad. They're not that bad. I, I've got a um, sinking suspicion that much of what we're watching right now is a fugazi. It's a fake. I think Trump knows exactly, exactly what Turkey was planning on doing. Exactly what they, they're planning. I th- it's, uh, this is all part of a show we're watching right now. And it's funny, you, you watch how, um, again, the... the People that love the United States, the whole military industrial complex, love to have us involved here, there and everywhere, how it plays out. Now, I'm going to present to you two different opinions here. We're going to start off. I'm going to start off with the editorial board at the Wall Street Journal today. What a fiasco. Foreign policy blunders often take months or years to reveal their damaging consequences. But the harm from President Trump's abrupt withdrawal of U.S. forces from northern Syria is playing out almost in real time. Critics said Turkish President Erdogan would invade northern Syria despite Trump's public warnings. And again, I'm going to interject right here. Um, I do believe that Trump knew exactly that he was going to invade. Knew exactly what he was going to do. Have no problem with it. Critics said our, our Turkish Kurdish allies would strike a deal with uh, Bashar Assad to defend themselves, and the Kurds have. Critics said Islamic State prisoners would be released and scattered to wage jihad again, and they are. Again, we'll see. The mess compounded Monday when Trump authorized sanctions against several 
Turkish officials and agencies who are contributing to Turkey's destabilizing actions in northeast Syria. The sanctions include financial measures barring entry to the United States. He also said um, we're ending trade talks with Turkey and we're raising steel tariffs to 50 percent. Again, I think it's all a show. I'm not buying any of it. I'm not. I've been watching these people for way, way too long. I think Trump is playing everybody right now. And quite frankly, I don't care. Trump now finds himself back in an economic and diplomatic brawl with Turkey that he said he wanted to avoid. Um, yeah, um, listen, again, not buying it. Trump is also making matters worse with his unserious justifications. After defeating 100% of the ISIS caliphate, I largely moved our troops out of Syria, let Syrian Assad protect the Kurds and fight Turkey for their own land. Anyone who wants to assist Syria in protecting the Kurds is good with me, whether it is Russia, China, or Napoleon Bonaparte. I hope they all do great. We are 7,000 miles away. Now, the Wall Street Journal says that the world is laughing at an American president. Said Trump was able to project an image of strength in his early days as he prosecuted the war against ISIS and used force to impose a cost on Assad for using chemical weapons. But somehow they say that that image has faded as he indulged his inner Rand Paul and claims at every opportunity that the main goal of his foreign policy is to put an end to endless wars. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, this is simple-minded isolationism, and it's a message to the world's rogues that a U.S. president has little interest in engaging on behalf of American allies or interests. Friends like Israel and Saudi Arabia are quietly dismayed while Iran, Russia, and Hezbollah can't believe Trump has so glibly abandoned U.S. commitments and military partners. Guys, I, again, not buying any of this at all. Zip, zero, zilch, nada. I, I don't, I'm not buying any of it. Oh, I know. Israel and Saudi Arabia are, are dismayed. Listen. How, how much how much weapons do we sell to these people? We're 7,000 miles away. It's damn straight. It's not our border. It's not our fight. But we, we've got to come to recognize that at some point in time. At some point in time, we have to recognize that we cannot solve all of these problems. Now, also in the Wall Street Journal today, the president of Turkey... Erdogan put out an op-ed, and we're going to go through this. Since the Syrian civil war began in 2011, no country has felt the pain of the ensuing humanitarian crisis more severely than Turkey. We took in 3.6 million Syrian refugees, more than any country, and spent $40 billion to offer them education, health care, and housing. Our culture of hospitality compelled us to shoulder the burden of hosting millions of war victims with very little help from the international community. Yet at a certain point, Turkey reached its limit. My administration repeatedly warned that we would be unable to stop refugees from flooding into the West without international financial support. Those warnings fell on deaf ears as governments eager to avoid responsibility portrayed as a threat what was intended as a mere statement 
a fact. My administration concluded that the international community wasn't going to act. So we developed a plan for northern Syria. I shared the plan with world leaders at last month's United Nations General Assembly. In line with that plan, Turkey last week launched Operation Peace Spring to end the humanitarian crisis and address the violence and instability that are the root causes of irregular migration in our region. Absent an alternative plan to deal with the refugee crisis, the international community should either join our efforts or begin admitting refugees. As part of Operation Peace Spring, the Turkish military, together with the Syrian National Army, will remove all terrorist elements in northeastern Syria. These militants are preventing Syrian refugees, including some 300,000 Kurds, from returning home. Our mission is simultaneously to combat the Kurdistan Workers' Party, which is a terrorist organization. We talked about this here on the show, known as the PKK, along with Syrian affiliates and Islamic State. Turkey has no argument with any ethnic or religious group. From our perspective, all citizens of the Syrian Arab Republic who don't belong to terrorist groups are equal. In particular, we object to equation of the PKK with the Syrian Kurds. Likewise, Turkey opposes equation of ISIS, which has murdered thousands of innocent people with Islam. We will ensure that no ISIS fighters leave northeastern Syria. We are prepared to cooperate with source countries and international organizations on their rehab. Rehabilitation of foreign terrorist fighters, spouses, and children. Good luck with that. The same countries that lectured Turkey on the virtues of combating ISIS today failed to stem the influx of foreign terrorist fighters in 2014 and 2015. Perhaps the government of a certain European country, which I won't name, would like to explain to the world how one of its nationals could board a flight to Istanbul with live ammunition in his checked luggage. Likewise, France has blocked weapons sales to Turkey. But why did it ignore our repeated early warnings about imminent terrorist attacks? Members of the Arab League, which has described Turkey's operation in northern Syria as an invasion, need to answer some questions. Since they are so unhappy with Turkey's efforts to reunite Syrian refugees with their ancestral lands, how many war victims have they admitted? How many... How much did they contribute to the efforts to end the humanitarian crisis in Syria? Which political initiative did they support to stop the civil war? The Arab League, whose statements don't reflect the true views and sentiments of the Arab people, has no legitimacy. Is he wrong? I don't think so. The international community missed its opportunity to prevent the Syrian crisis from pulling an entire region into a maelstrom of instability. Many countries have had to deal with the conflict's negative side effects, including irregular migration and an uptick in terrorist attacks. Operation Peace Spring represents a second chance to help Turkey end proxy wars in Syria and restore peace and stability to the region. The European Union and the world should support Turkey and what they're trying to do. Guys, I have no argument with the guy. Okay, I, I live in a house full of Greeks, for crying out loud. They can't stand Turks. I don't have any argument with the guy at all when it comes to this. What what, what is he supposed to do? This is on his border. What are we supposed to do? Continue to keep troops in there? 
We're going to keep a, a, a status quo of people just shooting at one another. The reality of the situation is somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. Period. The end. Somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. Then you can move on. Turkey wants to rid that region of all the uh, undesirables. Get rid of ISIS. Get rid of their, uh, what is it? I think a PK. Come on again. For crying out loud. The Turk, uh, the Kurdish uh, Workers Party, Marxist terrorist organization. I don't care. It doesn't concern us. You know, it's amazing to me. At first we moved 50 troops, and then now we just moved 1,000 troops out of the region. I've never seen the media freak out so much over something like this. Never. We'll send troops in. We'll help blow up an entire country, Libya, whatever it may be, and we barely any news. I will cover it to some degree. But this, time to stay out of it. All right. Um, off the beaten track. Let's change direction here a little bit. Um, saw this story. This is out of uh, London. Um, climate change activists targeting BlackRock. BlackRock happens to be the world's um, largest asset manager, and they're demanding that the world's major financial institutions stop funding what they describe as a looming environmental catastrophe. Extinction Rebellion. I think this is the same group that uh, poured paint on the bull on Wall Street not too long ago. Well, they, they promote revolt against established political, economic, and social structures as a way to publicize its dramatic climate message. Um, yeah, they, they, they glued themselves to the doors of Black Rock. Um, Extinction Rebellion wants nonviolent civil disobedience to force governments to cut carbon emissions and avert a climate crisis it says will bring starvation and social collapse. Uh, well, they said what they're basically they want to do is overthrow capitalism. Okay, um, so many stories out here as of late, and really good ones, actually. Great columns about countries that have tried socialism and how it's failed. There's one written by uh, Lee Edwards that talks about um, Israel, India, Great Britain, and how bad it, it is. Um, and then again, there's been other stories as well talking about what capitalism has done and just how, how many people have been lifted out of poverty just over the past 20 to 25 years. The numbers are extraordinary. Yet you want to rid the world of, of capitalism? You want people going back into extreme poverty? Is, is, that, is that what you want? What, 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 is, what is your alternative I'm curious. What, what's your alternative? But you, you think that these, these countries right now that have, well, we've got a state here in the United States, they're doing rolling blackouts. People without energy, without electricity, you think that that's, um, that's good? You think that that's, that's beneficial? 
you think all of a sudden we were going to have enough uh, solar power and wind power to keep the globe going? I mean, you already shut down nuclear power in much of Europe. What's your alternative? It's not going away. And I know you guys seem to understand this. And this is Europe, too. You guys are building pipelines to Russia. Fossil fuels are going nowhere. And you think that you're just all of a sudden going to snap your fingers and the economy is going to change and there's this other magical energy source that you're going to be able to utilize is patently absurd. You can, I mean, you can dream all you want, but it's just not there. We're not even close. Anyway, yeah, it's just it, it, this attack on capitalism. Again and again and again. Listen, I, I've explained this here on the show. Um, we're not. There's no real pure capitalism that's taking place here in the United States. And in many respects, I, I do think that yeah, the, the watchdog on Wall Street axis of evil, including the, the big banks, have um, well, they've kind of uh, how should I put it um, hijacked hijacked capitalism and, and well using it in a way that they shouldn't again it's to further their own wants and needs and it's, there's nothing wrong with with doing the right thing but capitalism should be about two people sitting down at a table and both walking away happy and this is where we're running into problems nowadays is that people again they, they see injustice and then they first thing they got they got to blame something blame capitalism don't blame capitalism it, it, it's almost like it's almost like blaming the um blaming the 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 rules of the game because your team loses i say, I try to put it this way if um you play a game of baseball and your team your team loses in the uh, the playoffs and somebody strikes out an awful lot and you're going to get mad at the game of baseball? Mad at the game of baseball because the, your team lost? No, it's, it's, that's not the problem. You see? Your team lost because your players didn't perform. We're running into issues when it comes to you want to talk about, uh, they mentioned wealth inequality and problems that we have and white-collar crime not being prosecuted. It's, it's a, the players at hand. It's not capitalism in of itself, which is pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's a system that provides... It's a, Basically, it's the premise of property rights, the rule of law, and free markets. Allowing anybody out there the opportunity to create wealth. John Malden stated, properly understood, it provides a level playing field for entrepreneurs to offer goods and services that produce incomes and profits. I don't think equitably distributing those profits is capitalism's role. Ensuring that all participants are treated fairly and to some extent 
regulating these personal and corporate endeavors is the role of society in general and government in particular. So when you say that capitalists are not very good at sharing profits, I would say that capitalism is not designed to do so. I don't have any argument with that at all. None whatsoever. How could anyone argue with something like that? Now, again, you get the types out there thinking that we've got to establish more rules and regulations. No, 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 no. The rules and regulations that we continue to establish um, have created the problems that we have today. I remember talking about this maybe 20 years ago. 20 years ago. This is going back. Um, it's, we're talking about the, the problems with CEO pay and the way that they're being paid and managing managing the company's stock price rather than managing a company properly. You can go back to um, the Clinton administration where they decided to say, hey, you know what, we're going to uh, not allow for any, um, any write-offs as far as a corporation is concerned with salaries above a million bucks. And this is when they started handing out stock grants to everyone. And many, many times you're the, the stock that you receive was based upon the performance of your stock price on the open market. Need to get that stock up so you can get your stock award? Well, you might do something to juice the stock price that might be in the short-term interest of yourself, but not the long-term interest of the company at large. It is a disconnect, is it not? Anyway, moving on. One of the uh, big stories, well, should I say that? It's not that big. It's big, you know where it's a big story? It's big in conservative, more right-leaning media outlets and websites and sources, and it deals with Project Veritas. Project uh, Veritas has got all sorts of videos. James O'Keefe has got some whistleblowers within CNN. And these people have taken video and gotten a hold of uh, conversations between the bigwigs and their uh, little morning call where they're kind of ordering the troops what to do, what to cover. And, and basically, you listen to the stuff, and it didn't shock me, didn't surprise me in the slightest. In the slightest. Again, this is, I think it's pretty much common knowledge now. But you, is there somebody actually out there that thinks that Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper are unbiased journalists? Anybody, anybody out there think that at all? Come on. Come on. But anyway, they, they also talk about Jeff Zucker and Jeff Zucker's on tape going after Trump and wants to destroy Trump. And is this news? It's confirmation, I guess. It's firsthand confirmation that everyone can see. But does anybody care? Does CNN care? I don't think so. I don't think they give a damn. There's no grand desire to be a good journalist to go out there and do the right thing anymore. Why bother, they say? Again, 
pretty. I mean, he's got more coming out on this thing. I, I hope there, there's some more stuff. But I, I mean, I saw the story as confirmation. But for the most part, pretty much a nothing burger. Something that I think everyone knows. All right. Um, listen, I, I know I talk about this this company a lot, and I talk about unicorns a lot, but. Um, Think about this for a second. This company was just about ready to go public. Now it's about ready to lay off 2,000 people, 13% of its staff. And they're saying much, much more are going to have to go. Where in the, what in the world did these people do at the company? These 2,000 people, they got 15,000 people working there. What did they do? What did they do at that company? And how will this affect the company that their jobs are now gone? I, it doesn't sound like a company that's in a, a got really good growth prospects, does it? No, it looks like, um, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, if J.P. Morgan decides to, I mean, they're going to hedge themselves, of course. They're not going to lose money on this. They'll find a way to hedge themselves, saying that J.P. Morgan may um, extend WeWork a bit of a lifeline, keep them afloat. I think they're out of their mind. But anyway, I mean, they're trying to protect their investment to to some degree. Coming up with some financial engineering to help themselves. The sad thing is, is that you didn't need to be a financial engineer. You didn't need five uh, doctorate degrees to really take a look at the company and say that it's going to fail. You didn't. Anyway, this past weekend, I, I went off on a few rants going after private equity and private equity in healthcare and what's taking place in hospitals around the country, in particular emergency room services. And I, I'd mentioned, um, I mentioned on it uh, the, the uh, private equity firms run by Eddie Lampert and what he did to Sears. Um, again, he managed to weasel his way into the bankruptcy of Sears. And uh, after bankruptcy... Um, guess what? They're going to have to shut down another, an additional 100 stores. And I think it's going to get much, much worse than that. Just here to tell you. Here to tell you, just these, these private equity guys, man, um, I, I described it, the, you know, they're, they're financial parasites, financial engineering parasites. They're not interested in the health of a company they're interested in trying to find out how they can make money off that company by doing nothing. Anyway, this story was kind of fun. Um, and I, I saw it because I, I mentioned this on the program today. Um, if there was a, an appliance store out there, somebody said we could do this, but you could probably never be able to find the parts or the actual appliances. Maybe these, there's some, you know, some warehouse somewhere with all the unsold appliances from 20, 30, even 40 years ago because they were better. They were better. Washing machines were better. Dishwashers were better. Oh, I know. They, did, they didn't have the, uh, the computerized screens. It was all analog stuff. But what they did what they did better than the uh, dishwashers and washing machines today was actually their job, getting clothes and dishes clean. 
It's a story in the Wall Street Journal and how the uh, folks at the Competitive Enterprise Institute began a petition drive to do something about, well, guess what? Make dishwashers clean again. Yeah. When the um, Department of Energy published the uh, CEI petition last year, it received a uh, overwhelmingly positive response from customers who are tired of waiting for their dishes to dry or pre-washing dishes by hand. Yep. Judging from the 2,700-plus comments already, a great many Americans are not happy with what's happened to their dishwashers. I had no idea that energy regulations were affecting my dishwasher. Now that I know, I am absolutely furious. Another one writes that when you have to rewash your dishes because they stink, does that save water? For the love of all things that is holy, help us make dishwashers work right again. And like I said, it's not just dishwashers. It's washing machines, all sorts of stuff. All the environmental rules that they put in there to make the, well, make the equipment work now, less well, um, improperly. I, again, I, I'm, when we were kids, we had, it was myself, my three brothers, playing sports all the time, outside, working for my father. My mother did a ton of laundry. A ton. And it, I remember the machines. That, that machine was perpetually running all the time. Not only did the thing last, but man, oh man, it got my clothes clean. Nowadays, and not, not so much. Have a great day, everybody. Want a watchdog on WallStreet.com, our site, watchdog on WallStreet.com, our newsletter, consultations with our certified financial planners, all sorts of fantastic stuff there. Watchdog on WallStreet.com, our 24-hour day help hotline, 800-471-5984.